raise a family, that they have some of the same opportunities that me and my wife. You agreed that they are, we need to see them as a terrorist organization. On a private cloud server, yes or no? To love country, to love God, and to try to do the right thing. Worked for the nation and the interests of the people. Welcome back to the Fresh Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast with five freedom-loving freshmen, members of Congress. I'm Eric Burleson from Missouri, and today I'm joined by Representatives Josh Burkeen from Oklahoma, Eli Crane from Arizona, and Anna Polina Luna from Florida. So with that, I want to say welcome to Anna uh, to the podcast and uh, ask the first question, the ones that we've kind of already answered, which is, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey and why you ran for Congress. So I actually never anticipated that I would ever run for office, but I think like a lot of people, you know, you see a broken system and you think that you can fix it, which we're increasingly find out is a lot harder said than done. Uh, but as of right now, or inverted, a lot harder done than said. Uh, but the point is, is that I initially got involved in politics. I was working as a volunteer for two different counter-trafficking organizations, and then I realized awesome. that the political propaganda machine that existed in the media was really lying to the American people. And so here I was, you know, Air Force veteran, second generation, Hispanic American, clearly not xenophobic, sexist or racist. And yet, you know, the media was saying that candidate Trump was because he wanted border security. And here I was educating myself, requesting the State Department reports coming out every single year on trafficking. And then I saw a news article um, at the time, I think it might have been on CNN, that the outlet was um, showing that basically a train that had Hispanic women and children were um, stopped in Mexico City because they were seeking access to the United States. And the broadcasters on this outlet basically said that, you know, here in the United States, we believe that everyone deserves access to this country. Um, you know, candidate Trump is xenophobic for not wanting to allow migrants in here, but they failed to acknowledge the fact that there was MS-13 on board. And usually when you have MS-13 and um, women and children, it's trafficking. And so I saw that made a video like any good millennial would do. And it kind of went viral. And I realized how uneducated people were because the reaction that we were getting with people that were saying that I was racist or xenophobic or, you know, whitewash were of people that didn't actually know the facts and they're buying into the propaganda. So I kind of started talking on politics. Um, I was on track to go to medical school and I guess I kind of got pulled in this direction and, and eventually turned down a position um, in a medical school course so that I could join Turning Point USA and I became the director of Hispanic Engagement and then went from there to Prager and then ran for office. So it was a while. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. I just spoke at our local Turning Point chapter. Yeah, Turning Point. organization. It's a good organization to get young people involved and I think that we need more organizations like that. But, you know, the political commentating sector, once you're in office and you kind of see how the sausage is made, as they say, in Washington, and then you realize how much of our legislation, our decisions up here drive the national discussion. And that's ultimately why I decided I wanted to run for office is because I realized that, you know, the outlets on both sides, if they didn't agree with the legislator, they're still going to talk on it. So you could help change the national discussion. I think we did that when we got to Washington first couple of weeks that we were here. So as you saw, it's effective. Something you didn't expect. I want to ask you a question. You know, I think a lot of us new to this have, have had some experiences that are different and eye-opening. What's one for you? Or I think it was initially when I, we first got here, just with the speaker's race, <laughs> uh, that was definitely an interesting experience. But, you know, 
I think when you look at really how the bills come to the floor and then the amendment process and the markups, I actually did not expect to like the markup process, but I ended up really liking it for whatever reason, because that's when you kind of get to run through the bills and, you know, you add in your kind of two cents on whether or not it's good. So, for example, we did one with HR1, which was the energy bill that we just put forward before we went to recess. And that was something that, you know, being a Florida member, I'm not in favor of offshore windmills or drilling. And so we noticed that there was no protections in place to protect our coastlines from windmills. And so we were actually able to put in an amendment that would basically have a lot of red tape for the administration and and pretty much protect our coastlines until we can get another Republican president in. And had we not fought for those rule changes, mm-hmm. that would not that it would have never have happened. Possible. Yeah, and so I think a lot of people, you know, they're like, well, you know, what did you guys really accomplish? Well, I mean, everything from single subject germaneness to those rule changes. I mean, it allows us to have more of a voice and represent our constituents, and that's what it's about. Tell us a little bit about your district, Donna. (laughs) So I represent Florida's 13th congressional district. So I have a very, I I know you guys are probably going to be biased here as districts. I love your district. Yes, I have one of the most beautiful beaches in all of the country. In fact, I think travel or TripAdvisor voted us like top 10 beaches last year. So we actually have a lot of members and who have their family members that either live in my district or come visit. But um, we cover pretty much Tarpon Springs, Clearwater, St. Petersburg, all coastline. It's a very beautiful area, and we do not have any layovers, so it's a direct flight from Washington. Which no, wait a minute. Pensacola and Panama oh, City are nice. not a part of the— Me and Gates always arm wrestle on this, but no, he's the panhandle. I'm I'm really down the peninsula a little bit and more. It, and the beaches are—I've never been in that area. So before, he so has—we both have white beaches. He has more of a emerald color water. Mine is more green. And oh, I say beautiful. mine as it's like, as if has, I own it, but is, <laughs> my district. Does he have—because I know at Clearwater— They've got all the dolphins, like anywhere. If you get on a boat, the dolphins will go and play. They have with the dolphins boats. up in up in the Panhandle, but the dolphins in the beach in Arizona, like that. So he doesn't have manatees. No manatees for games. Does Oklahoma have beaches? No, neither does Missouri. You have beaches, white beaches, and well, we've got some sandborn. Are we some gravel bars? Well, you have the Ozarks, right? Yeah, Branson. He does. He's got Table Rock. Yeah, Table Rock Lake. Cliff cliff jumping. Yeah. Okay. Cliff diving. Yes. You ever done that? Yes, yes. The jumping or the diving? No, I I didn't jump. When you jump from a cliff, no, you jump feet first. I've done that. Ed Branson. High enough where you bruise your feet. Done it? Oh, he's a Navy SEAL. He's done more than that. Have you died? Have you... you... Oh, I jump feet first like this guy. I'm not crazy. (laughs) I actually hate hate jumping out of planes, dude. When Eli comes out of the bathwater, he just raises up, you know, like in the commercials. (laughs) He doesn't know how to do anything. Well, that's how he was in the swim post. (laughs) Yeah. When we... He and I, we were swim, swimming laps one day just at the same time, yep. and he showed me. He just rolled side, up side stroke. I showed you side stroke. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right, dude. So you don't expose a lot of yourself. Right. Even, <laughs> even though clearly, like I was splashing like so a maniac. I was doing the breath I was out stroke. of breath. And he was doing the side stroke. I'm surprised you guys did come out looking. That water's so chlorinated. I smelled it. I was like, my eyes were burning <laughs> like when I was doing the gym tour. And it's chilly, too. Yeah. It's, it's cold. Okay, so we just got back from Easter break, and it and for me, they call it Easter break. It was not a break at all. Like, in my district, my team, they booked me. We toured a nuclear power plant. I spoke to uh, the Senate and the House in Jefferson City. I met with uh, all kinds of leaders. I went down to the county commission. So it was, you know, jam-packed. And 
I moved our house this last week. <laughs> so I'm a little sore. Yeah. You've had a home build, right? Yes, we yeah. just finished building the home. So well, congratulations on that. Wow. Oh, it's nice to be finally in there. But so what was your Easter week like? Or two weeks. You know, I always find it interesting because I think people have this perception that in Congress you don't work, but it's like you're actually working like 14 hour days. And then when you do go home, it's, you know, I think it's important to balance family life and then work life though. And so whenever you're not up here, obviously you're working double then when you get back to compensate because they have us up here voting a lot during the week. If it, if it were up to me, I would say we probably need more time in district just yeah. because I think it brings people more back to earth and grounds them. But um, in general, I mean, we had a really cool experience. I got to do a groundbreaking ceremony, which was one of my first ones for an area that's basically providing housing for veterans that are diagnosed with disability. So that was a pretty cool one. But yeah, we take a lot of meetings and I happen to love the district office. So we have it over at a college campus. And so we're able to get in there and a lot of traffic. <laughs> oh, that's a great location. Mm -hmm. um, I also spoke um, at the state capitol to the uh, Senate House and did uh, three days of town halls. Um, we've been hitting town halls hard. I did, I think, either our 25th or 28th live town hall um, as of last week. Wow. Yeah, we've That's been doing them since the beginning. Do you and get any rabble-rousers? So I always start off with, with the group, and for those viewers that are watching, you know, we all know that a lot of people in Congress have stopped doing those live town halls because of people that would utilize it to just become their one moment, shining moment mm -hmm. to be, um, adversarial and uh, so a lot of people have just stopped it because of the divisiveness of politics and so I just start off and saying look let's prove that 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 we can in Oklahoma um, be raucous in our in our um, uh, disagreement but we can do it with civility and I'm shocked and grateful to the people that come there we can be you know we can disagree but reason together hoping that we can turn this country around um, and um, so then I got sick um, I didn't know I had allergies till I married my wife, and she started pointing <laughs> out that it was not just a every year cold that I thought I was having. So then I, I, I got the wind <laughs> every knocked March out of me. You get a cold. Yeah, so we did. We did. We did. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. Um, so I wish that uh, those, those several days that I uh, was knocked knocked down, you know, I could get them back because it's sure pretty in Oklahoma. But you, Eli. Yeah, we did a couple really good district trips. We went and uh, Arizona has water problems. One of the things we did was we went and uh, got up in a helicopter and toured the Salt River Project, which uh, deals with about 12% of our water in Arizona. And it was really cool because they flew me over. Um, did you jump out, dive in, <laughs> no. come up with he your little water? No, I asked if I could fly the helo, but they wouldn't allow me to, which I've actually done once, which was pretty awesome. I can't <laughs> land them. Or take them off. They're not that hard to fly once oh you get in the air. Gosh. It's the it's the hovering and landing that I've got some helo drivers right now yelling at me. <laughs> oh, it's extremely hard, you know. But, but no, wow. so that was cool. Um, and then we also went up to the White Mountains in my district that has uh, Sholo and Pine Top and some other areas, and we talked with some of the county supervisors and some of the forest service folks about what they were doing for fire mitigation, because we have, uh, we, we have some pretty bad fires in Arizona, just with the heat yeah. and the drought that we've had out West. So yeah. we were looking at that, did, you know, definitely did a couple speaking engagements and, uh, a bunch of other things and got to hang out with my, my wife and kids a little bit too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I got to get horseback with my daughter and uh, that was, that was fun too. That's so, so cool. Yeah. Did you have land? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we I've got a small ranch and and uh, contiguous to my family's larger ranch and 
And so I hadn't got to get horseback with her in a while. And so, so we finally bought 15 acres and that's kind of, that's, that's, well, that's small to a lot of farmers and people in Midwest. For me, that's more than I've ever owned in my life. So it's kind of a dream come true to just have so, enough land to spread out on and kind of a blank canvas, something to do. I have like 10 square feet of grass and it was ruined by my chickens. So I had to quarantine the chickens that have dirt. <laughs> yeah, well, you need it. to get chicken tractor like what Tom Massey I, has. I have, I have 10 square feet of grass. There's not <laughs> enough room for it. I'm serious. Um, I'm in one of the most highest densely populated areas in all of Florida. So I have a very small district, but literally the one thing I, I love my chickens. If I had land, I'd be a chicken woman. Crazy chicken lady. I absolutely would. I'd have like a flock. You know, you might consider quail because you don't have to have a lot of land for quail. But do they dig up? My chickens ruined my lawn. Like it's like the moon. <laughs> it's like just pits you know, of dirt now. We can we can talk about Ooh, this after. There's a market quail. for quail too. You we, can do that. It's yeah. like a lot. I don't know. There's people that want will pay a lot for quail eggs. I mean, they sell them at Publix, but I just don't know that they're little. I, I hear that the eggs are healthier too. But they're like. They are. They're little, tiny. but. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, topic. Chickens are good for you. They help fight inflation. <laughs> okay, so now that we're back, we're back to. Hang on, I can't right? resist. <laughs> when we were on the border, we, you and I were on the border yeah, yeah. a few months or a few weeks ago. Um, you know, they're smuggling eggs across the border. Yes, I they're saw it in news article. Smuggling eggs because they can get them in here for you know a dollar a dozen versus what we're paying for them. So that's one of the things that- My question is, do, the they, have, do they have the feathers and, and the poop on them still? I get my eggs from Amish and I, they come that way. Yeah, I bet they're more organic though than what they're getting here in the grocery store. When, when I was in Iraq, that was the first time I've ever seen eggs like that, that actually yeah. still had feathers yeah. on them and whatnot. Well, they usually don't have poop. You have seen them, man. I live in an Amish community. So did you, you know- You can get them like that the way from the Amish. I have a cool chicken. If you, uh, so eggs, if you just leave the membrane on them, you can keep them yeah. unrefrigerated. You're not supposed to wash it. Yeah, I don't wash them. Let's say that until... again. So eggs are born with a born. <laughs> eggs are what do you call them? Laid. Born, birth. They're laid. They're, they're laid. Oh, laid. Wait a minute. Actually, they wouldn't be birthed, would they? <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> not birth, not born. You're right. Outtakes. Eggs are oh. laid with a membrane on them. Yeah. That means that you can actually keep them unrefrigerated for several weeks. And if you put butter on them, apparently they keep for like six months. What? Unrefrigerated, Whoa. yeah. Like smear butter over the egg? Yes, it's an old Irish butter. I'm not kidding. It seals the membrane. I'm not kidding. I don't even refrigerate my eggs. Nothing's better than... Does this, little, <laughs> does, does this little packed community that you live in care that you're trying to so, become a farmer? So my neighbor... Like, I'm an urban farmer. Okay. My neighbor across the street had turkeys, but they kept getting out. So he had to get... So he has them, but we all know, like, there's chicken people in our neighborhood. St. Pete actually has a big granola movement, and so I'm a part... I'm a proud granola movement person. So I have that, and I have a beehive, but... I don't have a beehive or beekeeper's license because you have to in the state of Florida if you what? want to harvest you the honey. License? Yeah, so I just leave them in the tree, but they're my hive. Does it so require issue. testing and certification? I just feel like because I'm a rep, someone would rat me out, so, right. <laughs> so I just leave it be. <laughs> so your issue is you don't have enough surface area for them to go naturally graze? Yeah, so or chickens love being free-range. They're really mad at me right now, but they destroy... Like, yeah. destroy everything. Once you just, like, if you're an urban farmer, once you stack them on top of each other like a skyscraper, a chicken well, skyscraper. No, no, I, I, I totally can't, though, right now, because, like, there's all the ordinances for the city. So I just have my chicken coop, and they're quarantined in a fence area, and then I'm actually sodding. Andy's sodding the lawn. Yeah, you have it. to clean it if you can't move them, so. All right. <laughs> <laughs> now we're back to the business. <laughs> we're here, and it feels like 
it's going to get real very fast. That's what it feels like, right? Because we have the debt ceiling, and then we've got the uh, the investigations on the Biden family. And we have and bricks and China yeah. and North Korea sending rockets. <laughs> to, yeah. You know, it's a little stressful. So with this debt ceiling... The, I mean, this is this is like new new territory for us. Like for me, it's brand new ter- territory. I don't, you know, whenever I ran for Congress, I was like a Tom Coburn, like you were. You know, we got to stop raising the debt ceiling. We got to, you know, put make Congress balance its budget. I've fought for a balanced budget amendment when I was in the Missouri legislature, and um, you know, in some regards, I kind of feel like. There is, in a way, a mechanism that forces a balanced budget, and it's the debt ceiling. So, um, but th- it's interesting all these negotiation talks and and the planning, because this seems like it's like three D chess here. What of how? how I think we did a really good job with the outline from the Freedom Caucus on kind of our positions, and I think that in general, a major like I I don't ever go home and hear from people like heck yeah raise the debt like no one says that yeah. at all. And they think we're ineffective because largely up until recently, we have been ineffective. And this is just if you continue increasing it, I mean, at what point did it stop now? They're talking about wanting to increase other things as well. And that's not. Smartest economist I've read said we all know this can't continue forever. And anything that can't continue forever must come to an end. Uh, That kind of, you know, takes it down to the vernacular. Everybody can understand. Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting. Um, You know, just we just. Those of you guys watching, it's uh, 9.22 here in Washington, D.C. It's a fly-in day. We did some votes. Came over here to CPI, and then the Freedom Caucus always meets, and we talk about what's going on. P.M. Yeah, nighttime. nighttime. Um, And it's just interesting because the way I see it, the way I see it is we've got a country to save, pure and simple. We're not going to do that doing the same thing over and over again. And, and that's why I came here, you know. And it's interesting because you just, you see people that try and game this thing out and figure out every contingency plan or what's the Senate going to do, what's President Biden going to do. I've always been the type of guy, and maybe it's too simplistic, but control what you can control. We can actually, I think we can actually take a very hard line and, you know, try and get a lot out of this debt ceiling fight like we did out of the speaker fight. And that's what I hope this this little group here, not just this group, but, you know, some of the, the, the Freedom Caucus and some of the more conservative members of Congress do, because like I was just saying in the last meeting we were in, we got a country to save. And, you know, it's like it, it's it's crazy to me how, you know, sometimes we just get sucked into the minutia and all the maneuvering. And we forget what's really going on and how much debt we're actually in, $31.5 trillion. And, you know, the thing I said to the group in the, the meeting we just left is, you know, it's like these people out here that watch this show, they know we're not always going to win. They know that. You know, they, they know we're us. The, the conservatives here in this, in this town, we're a very small body. Um, but they do expect us to fight. And we've got to continue to fight. And you know what? If if we if we go down fighting, we can let the well, I'm gonna I'm gonna let the other people answer for their their weak squishy yeah. vote on the border or the debt ceiling or whatever it is. I'm in charge 
of representing the people back home, trying to turn this country around and doing what I said I was going to come here to do. And so that's the way I see this thing. Do you want your conscience on some vote? Yeah. Unless you're getting, that's where I come down to is that I don't want to look back and regret things that we did here. Yeah. And so to me, some of those things that were dis- that are in the discussion, like I'll throw them out here, work re- requirements for welfare recipients, clawing back some of the unspent dollars on the climate bill, uh, eliminating the $271 billion, some people say it's up to $1.6 trillion in energy tax credits, the uh, putting in the language for HR1, which had to do with uh, streamlining the permitting process, um, an immigration reform bill, not reform, but like, you know, tightening the border. Cutting the funding for the IRS agents. Cutting the, yep, cutting the IRS agent, the new IRS agent funding. Which by like the entire GOP was like, yay, we defunded, but okay, so are we going to like actually, yeah, like if we're not going to, then you guys are all. That's the thing with this town. Like there's a lot of messaging that, oh yeah, we're all about doing that until it's time to do it. Until it's real. Until it's real. (laughs) And then you, you get a lot of. I don't, I don't know about that. And it's, we're cutting the IRS agents. Yeah. And then the student loan forgiveness. So we had Biden, uh, forgive all these student loans. And if, if we can be able to put in this, this language to repeal all of that, that would save half a trillion dollars. Right. So there comes a point where it's like, what, when we're weighing these decisions, I don't know where you're at, but I'm, I'm thinking, where I'm at is like, I can't, I want to see cut for cut. Or I want to see cut for whatever expenditure, you know, we're going to raise. I want to see real cuts up front. That's where I'm at. Yeah. I think that that's a pretty good assessment. <laughs> Common sense. Yeah. Maybe too much for Washington. <laughs> Not for us, but for the press. <laughs> and I bet the Senate, you know, whatever we send the Senate, they're going to lose their mind. If they think that we're, that us making cuts or even keeping government at static spending levels is is they think that that's crazy yeah and just so you guys know that those of you that are watching and this is this bothers me as somebody who's worn the uniform and fought for this country there are people in this town that will not go to war they will not get in a fight for you if they don't know what the outcome is going to be and to me that's just like it's I don't know. It's just so wild. It's so alien. It's so bizarre. Like you, like when you think you're doing the right thing, you you can't be hung up on what the outcome might be. You have to know what the right thing is doing, chart a course and go and do the best job you can. And, and, and in our case as freshmen, a lot of the time, because I think honestly, if we're being transparent, we lack some of the experience that some of our senior members, you know, in, in this group have. And, you know, so even even if uh, even if you know sometimes that's more of a supportive role whether you're co-sponsoring a bill or whatever but just do the right thing and go man you know right. quit quit trying to game everything out and you know be be unwilling to fight just because you don't know what the outcome is going to be that's to me that's sad and we're not going to save the country that way so well said did i make my point on it? am i being <laughs> I, too I redundant so. on my point no no, no <laughs> i think so i just it's crazy to i'm still stuck on the irs agents <laughs> like people don't want to actually put that in the bill why no, message walk, on it walk, yeah walk the people listening to so we obviously voted to repeal the 87,000 irs agents and now with the budget proposed and budget cut fight they don't actually have that in there to defund those which is just crazy yeah. to me and we've already made that vote 
and the they are the weaponized. The public is 100% with us. Yes, and they are too, by the way, these are not to audit like very wealthy billionaires. These are to audit gig workers, yeah, like two America. people with two jobs because they can't afford eggs mm -hmm. right now, right. which is why you need chickens. Right. I'm going back to the chicken argument, but my point exactly is that it just, it makes no sense. Double speak is what it is. Or even the student loan forgiveness. That is a, that's a 90, 20, that's a 90, 10 issue. Like most people do not. Most, I was going to say 90-20. You're, well, you're, you're starting to do math like me, dude. I can <laughs> do math like this place. But uh, it is a, I think the, the vast majority of people, even people that have student loans that, that would love to have forgiven, don't think that it's the right thing to do. It's not the right thing to do. That's not what this country is about. It's never been about that. You know, it's about work your tail off. If you make a deal, honor that deal. And a lot of these folks, you know, it's like we've developed, we've created a victim culture. You know, and it's just, it's, is, it, it's yeah, sad to me. This I, is Biden using American tax dollars to try to get reelected because everything he does is just terrible. Yeah. He has the opposite of Midas touch. It's like death touch. So, just, and speaking of Biden, we were, this is when things are going to get real too, is uh, on oversight. We're on oversight. Mm -hmm. The Biden family and their business dealings is something that we're going to be focusing a lot on. Oh, yeah. I, I see. And it's I not weaponized. That. It's actually, I was looking up, let me see if I have it in my pocket constitution, the definition of treason. Okay. And it literally says treason against the United States shall consist only of loving war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. Okay. And you have to have two witnesses in the same overt act to testify an open court to charge someone with that. I'm sorry, but if you're getting money from China and helping China, I don't know what else that is considered. And that's definition in the Constitution. So yeah, when I talk Boom. to people back home, they can't believe it. But the thing <laughs> right. is, they're, the press is not covering any of this. Of course not, because they're corrupt. Yeah, which is why we're here and not right. over there. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to get down to the bottom of it. And then my, I always wonder, and this is what I hear back home too: is like, okay, so we're going to investigate this, and then we're going to expose it. Then what? Right. I think At the that whole point we have to then hope. Well, I, think, special I think oversight's purpose is to get the facts out to the American people. Then you're at legislation. Did you know, I was looking this up over break. Did you know that Congress used to have the power to jail people? Yes, I did know that. Yeah. So and there's even a jail in yes, the Capitol building. And somewhere in the 1900s, we just trusted the process to someone else. But I think we should bring that back. Yeah. Just saying it'd be good to have. <laughs> Uh, you, you know I'm winding up in there at some point. <laughs> it might be my own party. Right. No. Might, definitely will be the Democrat no, party. No, I'm just but. saying, like, if you don't, if you lie under oath yeah. or if you refuse to testify, this is how they used to deal with people. And it's not weaponization. It's just fafo. Yeah, fa fafo? Fafo. I won't. Uh, and now a brief demonstration of what fafo means. As you can see... The more you f around, the more you're going to find out. I got it now. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. So. You know, no, it's funny because <laughs> my daughter's, my, my youngest daughter loves that movie Clueless. And it, it's, it, she like has like acronyms. acronyms the whole time I'm thinking, <laughs> here we go. This is what happens when we bring Autumn. autumn my my daughter's, show. my daughters are both teenagers now. Yeah. They love to play this game with me where they go, dad, what is, and then they'll say some acronym. And they're just quizzing to see how how hip I am or how much I know. 
You have to go to urbandictionary.com and read it, right? <laughs> the I slang. think they're quizzing you to see how hip you are, but how ignorant you are, bro. Right. And you're not in that boat alone because I, I know my kids. <laughs> well, I was talking. Too. I was on the phone. I said I walked up to someone and said, so what's the tea? And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, you know, the tea. And Ogles was like, no, it means like what's, go- like, what's the chatter, the gossip. <laughs> so Ogles had a translate. <laughs> We yeah. don't have that expression in the South. Yeah. Or in the Midwest, we don't have that expression. All right, I think we're getting the... Uh, we're no, having too much fun. fun. We're having too much fun, dude. Okay, so let me... So you finally me... come in, dude. Yeah. We, have, we have a podcast where we have to get yanked out of here. Right. So, right. Okay, we have rapid-fire questions. First question is, you're on a road trip, you stop at a convenience station, what do you get? What's your snack of choice? Oh, I want this one first. <laughs> Bucky's slash brisket. Oh. At Bucky's? Bucky's slash brisket. Yeah. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. I know, yeah, I know what Bucky's, Bucky's is, in but... Florida. Yeah. I've never had the brisket, though. Oh, but popcorn. Yeah. So you've got some right there, but I don't like the white cheddar. The white cheddar's well, good, like but, but I is... think the... Uh, what, <laughs> Not the, sponsored by Congress. The kettle corn. The kettle corn's the The white best. cheddar's my favorite. Yeah, We're gluten-free. Huh. It's gluten-free. I need to do the gluten-free. And, but... and it's... Crispy and tasty. I like pizza. They're addictive, yeah. Floss brisket is uh, gluten-free if anybody wants to know. <laughs> it's organic. <laughs> that sounds, uh, yeah. For me, it's Casey's Pizza, not gluten-free. A big slice of Casey's Pizza. Is that something that is uh, strictly located in your district, or is that, like, oh, national? Casey's is huge. It's but like, they have an airport. Yeah, you're talking about the C-A-S-E-Y? Yeah, the yeah. gas station. Yeah. I've never had right? that. Yeah, They're actually, they're, like... They're, they're sizable. They, I don't like Bucky's, but they're, they're like the number sizable. four chain uh, in America that sells pizza. I don't feel happen like to be a gas station. Be so they they're right up there with Papa John's, Domino's. Oh wow, Casey's oh. Pizza. You'll have to try it. Don't even get her started on pizza, man. I'm like I'm gonna unionize in the Freedom <laughs> Caucus so against pizza. Up pizza. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm sick of pizza. <laughs> every time we come from votes, we go we come here and we have a meeting, and the meeting always has dinner. And a lot of times, the the food that's provided by a member is pizza, and she's been upset about it. So I'm, <laughs> I'm in the group chat. <laughs> no more pizza. No more pizza. That's right. All right. And with that, we're <laughs> going to close out. Thank you for watching this episode. Please subscribe to the Fresh Freedom Podcast. Please share it with everyone that you know. Also, in the description below are all the handles on our social media Uh, where you can follow each and every one of us. So please give everybody here a follow so you can keep up with what's going on in Congress. And until then, we'll see you next time on the Fresh Freedom Podcast. We have like an egg segment. (laughs) Fighting eggflation.